impacts them every day. I think we're going to do a great job. What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Modern Man Podcast. It's a pleasure to have you. And if you're watching us on YouTube, you just got a little treat from our guest. But I want to thank you for joining us and thank you for the time. As always, I'm going to ask that you hit that subscribe button, that like button, give us a rating to let us know how we're doing and share this episode with a friend if you continue to get value from this podcast. Because we're all on a mission to connect men in pursuit of their potential. And we do that by embracing discomfort, cultivating community, and putting wind in each other's sails. We're getting some wind in our sails from our guest out of Vancouver, Canada. <laughs> it is my pleasure to introduce the dad who's dating his wife, Di Manuel. Di, thank you, brother. How you doing? <laughs> I'm doing great, Ted. You know, it's just it's it's awesome to be here. I, I know we've had a couple. Uh, well, on my front, I've had to rebook a couple times, and I just want to say thank you for your grace and understanding. No As a father, uh, that job is 24-7, and it's forever. And uh, as I know, you're practicing. You're always practicing, right, to be a dad. And, and that's where all the fun is anyway. Uh, oh, yeah. But, but uh, yeah, you know, as a dad, I prioritize my kids, my family. It's one of my core values. So uh, I, I really appreciate you, you respecting that and, and being so graceful around that. And for those that are listening, Ted's the real deal. <laughs> and it's awesome, man, because, you know, sometimes you meet people, right? You meet other men. And and I don't know if you can relate to this, Ted, but uh, I know, especially in my late 20s, my early 30s, I was very, I wouldn't say cynical, but I was definitely protective. Mm, yeah. Especially around other men. I would often think and size up other men thinking they were competitors, competition, you know? Mm -hmm. And and it was the weirdest thing, right? Because it, that that insecurity that I had, yeah. was often projected on potential relationships, yeah. which limited me from connecting. You know? <laughs> yeah. And so when I hear your mission, I hear what you're doing. I was like, oh, man, I, I got to get on this show. You know, I want to be part of this conversation. I want to support and help and be part of that that message. You know, so mm -hmm. anyways, it's an honor to be here today. So thanks, Ted. Well, it's, it's an honor to have you die. And, and I love the energy and, and I love everything you're about because uh, we were kind of talking beforehand. Yeah, like I understand the priorities and, and I respect mm -hmm. and love that, which mm -hmm. is why I know what you have to share is going to be so beneficial for our guests. Uh, but I want to make sure that you have an opportunity to introduce yourself to the guest, right? I, I want the guests and our audience to get to get acquainted, right? So please take the floor and, and let the folks that are watching or listening uh, know who you are, what you do. I've already covered the dad dating, dating your <laughs> wife thing. Uh, but, but of course, there, there's so many more yeah. depths to who you are. Well, thanks. You know, I'm, I'm now 46. I just turned 46 about a week ago. And uh it's wild, you know. I it, it's a uh, it's just weird seeing those numbers uh, go <laughs> up year after year, right? And but you know, I I'm I feel the best I've ever felt in my life. You know, mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually, I, I really feel on point. Now, it mm -hmm. doesn't mean every day I'm feeling great, but more often than not, that's my normal. You know, and and but it doesn't come without a little bit of work. And and I realized this a long time ago. You know, about 13 years ago, I recognized there was a lot of imbalances in my life, and and I wasn't honoring boundaries. Yeah, you know, I was compromising boundaries all the time and and then left feeling empty or, or well, to be fair, uh, disconnected. And um, so, I, so I made some shifts and I know we'll get into that today. But but in going through that journey myself, it's amazing how we start to work on ourselves, mm -hmm. start to do certain things to improve in certain areas in our life. And we can't help commit the other side feeling inspired to now want to help others that are back starting that same journey. Yeah, you know, and and that's definitely true for me in many different ways in my life. Um, I've gone through some pretty big changes, and now I help people navigate changes physically, mm -hmm. emotionally, spiritually, 
you know, and and especially physically. Uh, I've got a, a fairly diverse background in the health and wellness industries. So I've been in it for 28 years since I was 17. Mm-hmm. Worked as a trainer, as a coach. Uh, you know, and then I got into retail, selling fitness equipment accessories. Did that for 17 years. When my partner and I scaled the company to eight figures a year, and learned a lot in that process. But you know, then I got into my early 30s, and I was like, you know what? I just I don't feel like this is what's meant for me anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, wrote a book. Quit my career of 17 years. My wife quit hers a month later, pulled the kids out of school. Two months after that, gave away all our stuff, packed up the SUV and said, okay, let's chase the sun. And this was like January, right? In yeah. Vancouver. And we're like, we're out of here. And and we started traveling south and we just started traveling full time as a family, trying to figure things out, you know, feel connected, mm-hmm. connect with new communities. And uh, did that for five years. And two and a half of those years, we spent in Bali, Indonesia and came back here before the pandemic. And here we are. Fast forward a couple of years later after the pandemic, we're back in Vancouver. My kids are finishing up their, their last year of high school and uh, nice trying to, to connect with great people like yourself and other men. That's Man, really it. Th- that's amazing. I, I yeah. definitely want to talk on um, on the quitting your job, wife quitting a month later and traveling <laughs> thing. But but something you said earlier, and I, I don't want to kind of I don't want to rob this point from the viewers because mm-hmm. you, you mentioned compromising boundaries. Mm-hmm. And, and I wrote that down because. I feel like as as men, a lot of us do this um, because I think we we grow up, believe it or not, like I just I think we grow up becoming people pleasers. Right. We, we grow up uh, in school. Yeah. Sure. We're taught, you know, pay attention, listen to your elders. This is the other thing. Um, and there, there comes a time where, you know, whether it be in our adult lives, in, in marriage or in dating or just mm-hmm. in friendships, we kind of just become complacent or we lose a certain amount of assertiveness because we don't want to be that guy. But yeah, we end up compromising our boundaries. Um, I touch on that a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And what did it look like when you acknowledged that? And then I guess started not compromising your boundaries. Well, I think to be fair, and I think, you know, case in point, uh, what you're referring to, especially if we, we're sort of putting a lot of men into that bucket, you know, it's the ego, right? Like our, our mm-hmm. ego and how we find personal value <clears throat> is often very biased to what we do professionally. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's that title that we're chasing, that recognition, the affirmations. It, it's often that idea of being seen as something that we ourselves think is of value, you know, and and for me, you know, it was always wanting to be seen as the guy, right? Like mm-hmm. seen as someone that's self-made, that has achieved a certain amount in his life, you know, got the family, got the home, got the cars, like just, it was amazing. But I I believe that by chasing all those things, especially the title, that I would feel better about myself. Hmm. And the thing was, is like, the more I threw into this chasm of, of the idea of who I was and who I believed I was becoming, there was this gap between the two points. And that gap was actually a deep chasm. And I just kept filling it with stuff. And, you know, I learned that early on in life as a teenager, I was morbidly obese. Uh, So I was used to filling that void with things that would distract me from some of the pain or or depression and anxiety that I was enduring based on that state of unhealth that I was in. And, and uh, for me, it was a lot of emotions were being eaten, you know, Mm -hmm. or playing video games, watching movies, like I was distracting myself from really dealing with the issues at hand that were creating some of those symptoms for myself. Mm And, you know, it wasn't until I started to create some boundaries around what was okay for my health. Mm. And that's what it started with. And I learned that at 15, I made some lifestyle changes. Uh, 
you know, it took me five years to get to the size that I was. And my BMI was into the 40s. So just to sort of put a spin on this, I was, I was a big kid. OK, <laughs> like I, I it took me five years to get that to my heaviest. And then it took me 20 months to release that. You know, between 15 and 17, I really just started to, to create a new lifestyle. And But it was that change that I went through that really taught me a lot of valuable life lessons, but more importantly, about where to draw the line in the sand when it comes to my health. Yeah. So it was the first time I really established a boundary. Before that, I, I didn't really establish boundaries. I mean, I didn't even know what that was. I mean, and even now, like I can articulate this now in reflecting, back then I wouldn't have called it a boundary. I just told myself and I would make it known to people that were around me that I was prioritizing my health. You know, it's going to be the foundation upon which I build whatever life I'm going to build for myself. Mm -hmm. And whatever I do with anybody in the rest of my life, health is still going to be that thing that I always honor. Yeah. Now, on the flip side, you know, I get into my 20s, I realize, oh, man, some of this anxiety is still there. I'm still feeling the occasional depression bouts. I'm not feeling great about myself. I'm, I'm chasing a title, recognition. I'm looking for external validation. So I'm, again, starting to get a lot of those feelings that I had when I was my most unhealthy. But instead of going to food, I went to booze mm -hmm. and occasional drug use. And that was my new way of coping with some of those stressful emotions those overwhelming emotions, those anxious emotions, you know, I, I just, I learned to console myself by drinking. Yeah. But I also realized that there was people around me that started to see value in this fun guy die. Like I even had a nickname when I drank, you know, like <laughs> you talk about the altered ego, right? And I was, I, but it was known. And I saw how people liked having me around when I was drinking. Mm -hmm. So it didn't take me long to put two and two together where all of a sudden I started to see myself to be a value to others, I needed to be drinking. Yeah. Um, that, that was a 15-year tirade of just uh, having a very abusive relationship with alcohol, you know, not, not, and that started to compromise my health, obviously. And so, you know, this is really when I got into that place where I started to feel a lot of, of guilt and, and shame for myself mm -hmm. because I wasn't honoring some of the things that I was telling people was important to me. And I think that's the thing. When we start sharing with people what our values are, what are our boundaries? What are the non-negotiables in our life? And then we start not following through on that, not just for others who bear witness to that, but more importantly for ourselves. Mm -hmm. It's a slippery slope. <laughs> I, mean, we, I think there's probably a lot of guys listening or watching this right now that are nodding their head like, oh man, I'm dealing with this right now. And I totally get that. Yeah. It's not like one of those things that you fix and it's just, it disappears and it dissipates and you never have to deal with it. And it, it, it is recurring. Um, and, it, and it's happened to me a few times in my life. But as I continue on this journey of trying to progress, not seek perfection and mm -hmm. constantly see measurable improvement in different areas of my life, the areas that are important, my values like family and fitness and faith and finances and, of course, fun. Yes, there's five Fs there. I love alliteration, by the way. Uh, and, uh, um, you know, when I'm honoring my values and I'm honoring those boundaries where I've made these non-negotiables. When I honor them, man, life feels good. Yeah. When I don't honor them, I don't feel good and I go to a bad place yeah. if I leave it unchecked. And, and that's the easiest way I can sort of communicate this idea of boundaries. It's like, it's great to set them, but when you don't honor them, mm -hmm. yeah, man, it, it is a hard place to come back from and to, to discover that self-love and self-respect because we don't trust ourselves to honor ourselves. And that's man. a hard place to be, man. Hard man. place.
that's huge. It's, it's kind of when you start avoiding the mirror because you yes. don't like the life you're living. Yes. You're like, yes. man, I can't even look at myself. And well said. It's, it's so hard because mm-hmm. um, I could I could relate to that same experience. And, and, and I wrote about it in length before I was hospitalized with my autoimmune disease. Uh, I was. What, what I, is your autoimmune disease? Just real quick, because um, I'm not familiar with yeah. your background on that. Uh, ulcerative colitis. So it's kind of okay. like Crohn's. Yeah. It impacts the large yeah. intestine. Um, yeah. And I got diagnosed when I was in my 20s. I was like 23, fresh out of college. And I had a bad flare up at 25 that put me in oh. the hospital. Oh, um, but the thing is, at that time, I was I was going through bouts of depression. I was kind of having a hard time at work. And I was bottling it up. And mm. this is what I said in, in the essay I wrote. I said I was bottling it up during the week and then popping bottles on the weekends. <laughs> and And... It was quite the turn when the mm-hmm. life of the party, you know, Ted, everybody loves Ted, ends up in the hospital and the yeah. life of the party's done. But what was so hard, Di, was, man, I was good at it. Like, mm-hmm. I was good at going out. Mm-hmm. I was oh, good yeah. at going to the club. You know what it's like when you walk in the bar and the DJ gets on yeah. the microphone to announce that you've arrived? And, and the bartender's like, oh, here's a shot on us. Let's, you know, get to, yeah. you don't have to wait in line. And, and for so many guys listening right now, it's the life that they're living. Mm. They're, they're good at it, right? Yeah. Whatever they're, they're doing to maybe distract themselves or some of the boundaries that they've compromised on. It's like, but I'm good at this mm-hmm. and I'm operating well. I get a lot of validation in this, yes. even though it still doesn't look good. What does that look like? when the change starts happening like what does that look like when when you decide to change right mm. 15 to 17 or even yeah. in your 20s when that when you decide to change you still are who you are right sure. at 15 you decide, i'm losing the weight you still have that weight that took you 5 years to gain right yeah what does that process of change look like <laughs> Ooh, that's a good question well you know i, I got to commend you first of all thanks for sharing that um i i was diagnosed with an autoimmune condition a disease uh back in my early 30s well this is yeah actually going back about eight years ago so yeah in my 30s i was diagnosed but they figure i've had it my entire life but they, they only became aware of it when i was hospitalized for 10 days oh, so wow. similar to you anyway. you know it got to a place where all of a sudden it was like oh okay uh <laughs> i'm going to die <laughs> i need to seek medical attention and i had done a tough mutter and and I love obstacle races. You know, I was well enough fit. Uh, like it wasn't that wasn't the issue. But I'm not a runner. Mm-hmm. Distance. I, I'm a sprinter, not a not a distance runner. Right. So <laughs> my thighs got chafed. I got this little rash on my thigh, and I remember sitting in the hot tub that night and thinking, "Geez, I feel really run down. I feel tired." And woke up the next morning, my body was shutting down systemically. Oh, you know, man. like and I had this infection that was just populated my whole body and everything. And uh, it turned out I didn't I have this autoimmune condition that I, I have no neutrophils, which is uh, autoimmune neutropenia is the name of my condition. So okay. uh, from one autoimmune condition to another, thank you for sharing that. <laughs> There's a lot of us out there that are dealing with autoimmune conditions. But the neat thing is, is it, it when you've prioritized your health, a lot of the symptoms never show up. Yeah. And that's that's the best thing. You know, it's the one thing about me. 90 percent of the symptoms that most people with a severe case of condition like I have it never showed up. You know, but when it does, I just got to take some extra TLC, you know, like Mm -hmm. uh, I got to chill. I just got to relax. I got to de-stress. So um, that's another conversation. But, you know, this idea of change. Yeah. I think case in point, what you refer to your autoimmune condition and that that discovery. Right. And it's not like it was like a pleasant discovery. It's not like pulling a pull tab. Oh, I won 20 bucks. Right. It's like, oh, man, I'm going to the ER. I mean, hospitalized. And the doctors are looking at you like, 
you look perfectly healthy. I don't get what's going on. Right. And it's like, it's a, it's a yeah. scary place to be. Like when a doctor looks at you and this is what they said to me, he goes, man, you're an enigma. And I'm like, mm-hmm. no, it's an enigma. <laughs> you know, I'm like, what are, you, what are you talking? Is that a medical term? What do I have cancer? Like, you know, like I was like, my brain was going to scary places. Right. And yeah. he's like, well, no, we just don't know what's wrong with you. And I'm like, well, that doesn't make me feel any better either. You know? So, um, but here's the thing. When we think about change in our lives, we have to ask ourselves, why? Why now? And when we start to look at why now, I got to be honest with you, Ted, you know, a lot of my biggest, most significant changes, like going from obesity to healthy, going from being a drinker to now being over 13 years sober, you know, me going from autoimmune condition to now thriving again, and my health is in the best place it's ever been in my entire life. All those changes were spurned on by fear. Okay. <laughs> and I'm just being perfectly blunt. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, because I got really honest with myself. I was more afraid of not changing than changing. Mm. Okay. So just to repeat myself, I became more aware that if I don't change, life ain't going to get any better than it is right now. You know what I mean? At 15 years old, I'm looking in the mirror and I'm sobbing. Like, yeah. you know, ugly crying. Like, I am ugly crying in the mirror because I, <laughs> Finally got the, the the guts up enough to at least look at myself in the mirror at 15 years old in my morbid obese state. And I lost it. Yeah. You know, I used to go in the shower and this is just a little hack is just to, just to sort of prove the point of where I was psychologically and emotionally. Like I would go in the shower and I would leave the water on extra hot. So when I get out, the mirrors would always be covered in condensation. So I wouldn't have to look at myself. Mm-hmm. But this one morning I was being rushed by my dad. I got out and I saw myself in the peripheral and I turned and I locked eyes and then I did the scan and man, I lost it. But I realized, man, it took me five years to get here. Man, by the time I'm 20 in another five years, do I think I'll be better than I am right now? Yeah. No, I'm not. I'm not an idiot. I know I'm not going to lie to myself anymore. You know, I'm like, yeah. no, I, if I don't make some changes, it's not going to be any easier than it is right now. And that scared the crap out of me, you know, to the point that I was ready to like, I'm going to make some changes. Mm-hmm. And I, I think when we often look, especially as men, I'm not going to speak for women. I'm a man who identifies as a man. So I'm going to speak from that perspective. And, you know, a lot of the people I associate with, especially my men's groups, are, again, men who identify as men. Uh, you know, the he, she, he him, his pronouns. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, again, I, I'm not here to talk about all the other perspectives, but just my own perspective. That's all I can really speak to thoroughly. So, uh I think about the changes, you know, and I think about these moments and I, I look at certain men and I know that. Fear is a big motivator for us. You know, it can motivate us to change. Mm. It can also motivate us to not change. <laughs> and, and I think it's just being able to, to reconcile fear in our relationship with fear and recognize that it's a normal response. There's nothing wrong with it. You know, it's actually what keeps us alive as a species. I mean, mm-hmm. you look at our DNA, it is extremely resilient. Humanity is resilient. There's some crazy things we've lived through and we continue to live through. And look at it. There's like 8 billion of us on this planet. My climate change friends are like, we're way too resilient. (laughs) (laughs) We're like weeds. We just populate and consume. But I'm not here to talk about that. I'm here to, (laughs) but just to say that it's in our DNA, this ability to be resilient, to deal with hard stuff and to change and to evolve. And we can either have a proactive approach or we can have a reactive approach. And I find that for my own side, it's typically been a combination of the two. Yeah. But not always. And what I mean by this, Ted, is when we become really hyper aware to change in our life and we recognize that the more we fight against change, usually the more negative 
emotions and thoughts that we invite in, you know, like I, I, I say this everywhere, like try to fight change, like just try to prevent change from happening. What well, doesn't matter the good, the bad, the, you know, like whatever, just try to push back on it. It's, 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 it's a losing battle. It's not fun. And now well, Buddha, like 2,600 years ago, he's like, Hey, you know what? This thing called the universe, I got a secret for you. <laughs> of course, I'm paraphrasing. He didn't actually say it this way, but, but you know, he's sitting around. He's under that tree. He's down discovered enlightenment, right? He's found Nirvana and he's coming back and he's like, hey guys, I figured hey, something out. Yeah. Here's the deal. The entire universe as we know it is impermanent. Everything's in a constant flux. It's constantly changing. So get really comfortable with being present in the present, <laughs> you know, because that's yeah. all that's real. And, and the neat thing is, you know, we, we, we have a lot of other um, religions and beliefs that, that echo a lot of this, right? This idea of change being impermanent. But yet, when we look at our own lives and we get to that happy place and we're like, man, life's so great. I never want it to end. I want it to be just like it is right now. And what happens a week later? Oh, my gosh. I got a flat in my car. You know, my daughter got in trouble. I grew up at school. You know, like you just you look across and it's just stuff happens. But that's the nature of life. Mm -hmm. And so the more accepting we are of change, it's going to happen. And we warm up that relationship with change. We become a champion mindset around change versus feeling like a victim of change. Mm. And I think that is the, the real point I'm trying to make here is that it is a perspective. It's a relationship with change. And most of us have a very negative relationship with it because whenever we think about changes, it's often changes that have been uninvited. Yeah. You know, those are the most traumatic amounts of change. And, and we often will have a negative relationship with that, of course. Yeah, it's, it's not pleasant. It's like, uh, yeah, I remember when my dad passed away five years ago from pancreatic cancer. That was a big change. Did I want it? Hell no. <laughs> you know, like, would I rather my dad be here today? Yeah, of course. Yeah. But it happened, you know, and and I've been working through reconciling, you know, and, and there's a lot of things that were left unsaid with my dad. But knowing that has created a lot of extra intention with how I've lived my life the last five years and how I will continue to live my life. Mm. But that's the power of reflection and introspection and really asking ourselves the hard questions like, why? why? <laughs> you know, <laughs> rather than the what in the house, but actually ask ourselves the why, you know, mm -hmm. like, why is this so hard for me? Why is change so challenging? Why is it every time I say I want to get healthier, I sabotage myself and I do things that are completely opposite of that? Mm. And yeah, it's going to be uncomfortable. It, it, it is. It's really uncomfortable to be honest with oneself. 13 years ago, when my wife looks me in the eye, Ted, and she says, hey, you know, we're talking about what life's going to be like to co-parent our kids in separate yeah. households. You know, like this is 13 years ago. My kids are under the age of six at the time. They were four and six, my two daughters. And, you know, I was acting out all the time, man. I was drinking. Like that was my stress relief. It was my anxiety release. It was I mean, everything release, right? It was like anything negative. Oh, I'm going to have a drink. Let me grab a drink. Yeah. Yeah. But it was also very uh, important for me in socialization and how I connected with others. It was always around alcohol, even yeah. my business, you know, like it was often I'd have suppliers come into town and that's what we did. We'd go out for dinner. We'd have drinks, you know, like it's just, we go for a round of golf and we drink, <laughs> you know, like it just, it was always around. Yeah. And so it was hard to separate from that. And um, so, yeah, anyways, I, I sort of go off on these like little, uh, I, I, my wife always equates me to the dog and up squirrel. And uh, <laughs> so, I love so it. reel me in Ted, whenever you want. But um, yeah, anyways, no. that, that's just some ideas around change. Okay. And, and this yeah. idea of shifting our mindset and relationship with change.
Yeah. I mean, I love it because you, you hit the nail on the head with champion changer being a victim of it because change is constant. And it's funny, my wife and I had the conversation because she likes to do this, that, the other thing. And I was like, stop introducing change. Like things are going to change on their own. Right. We want to throw our own, like she, she'll want to do like projects and do this and do yeah. that. And, and like, me, I'm a little on the opposite where I, I like certain consistency in like my yeah. schedule or whatnot, but my schedule is set up for the inconsistencies of life. Ah. Like, you know, father-in-law came to town last minute, short notice. She's like, oh, I know you got a lot of work to do. I'm like, oh, I can push that to next week. Why? Because my stuff's planned ahead. So if something comes into play nice. this week, I can spend time with family because yeah. that's the change that I need to be able to flow with when it happens. Um, I would do want to touch on because, man, I, I, I love... I love your title. And I know you're not a fan of titles, but I love dad dating his wife. That's so, the only title that matters to me. Yeah, but, you know, to be honest. So, <laughs> I, I would be doing this podcast. And of course, you uh, would disservice because clearly that is the title. And if we did not talk about it, um, sure. I feel like I wouldn't be letting letting <laughs> die shine on the Modern Man podcast. But I mean, wow. and and you, you started off, you, you mentioned something very vulnerable spot of, mm. you know, talking about co-parenting in, in different mm. houses and stuff. Um, there are some guys who are listening who, who, who might've gone through divorce themselves, yeah. or maybe they feel like they're failing at their marriage. They're not really sure how to come back or whatnot, or someone like myself, who's a year and a few months into it. And I'm like taking notes, man, help me out. Um, <laughs> wherever somebody may be on their journey, yeah. what wisdom could you give us in that process of, you know, husband, father, um, and the, ever important that I'm sure women would love to hear is dating my wife. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it goes both ways. My, my wife is dating me too. And yeah. you know, this happened right around that time, 13 years ago that we had a real, Oh, let's just say we experienced a tremendous amount of clarity by working through a lot of hard stuff. And, you know, often we have to work through the hard stuff to get to these moments of clarity where things do clear. I mean, it's like working through a storm, right? Like when you're in it, you're in it. You can't mm -hmm. see three feet in front of you. I get it. All you can do is one step at a time, you know, but with a little bit of clarity, it does build some confidence. And when we have confidence, we can at least have direction. <laughs> you know, you can imagine yourself sitting in the middle of a big, you know, uh, fog, right? And mm -hmm. it's like, well, geez, I could turn anywhere around 360 degrees, but where am I going to end up? We, and that's how we feel sometimes when we're dealing with struggling with changes that are happening and we feel it's outside of our control. And to be fair, most changes are outside of our control, okay? We, um, but what's not outside of our control is how we associate and connect with the people that are in our lives. That is something that we can own and we can influence and we can set some intentions around. And language is so important when it comes to this. And not just the language that we use to communicate and connect with others, but more importantly, the things that we say to ourselves when no one else is around. Mm -hmm. You know, that voice in our head, whoo, boy, it is loud. <laughs> you know? and, uh, and I noticed, yeah, and I noticed actually when, when I really got stone cold sober, you know, when I stopped drinking, I was like, whoa, these voices are even louder than I remember them to be mm -hmm. because I had gotten really good at dampening, you know, with, with external things, avoiding the hard stuff of actually recognizing well, what's creating that to begin with, you know, because it's, it's often the symptoms that we're always struggling to try to fix rather than looking for what's the root cause of the symptoms. 
And, you know, if we're going to spend some time on the mental health conversation, this is sort of leading into that, you know, is, is this idea of how do we talk to ourselves? And so, you know, 13 years ago, my wife sat me down, we're talking about co-parenting, you know, I'm, I'm losing it because I'm, I'm again, I felt like I was that 15 year old boy looking in the mirror again. Right. Like I was like uncontrollable sobbing. I was like, I, I can't believe it. This, I'm going to lose my family. We've been together for 10 years. We got two kids. We, we, we have a beautiful life together. And I was like, and it's all going to end. Halfway through the conversation, she looks me in the eyes and she says, Die. Are you being the kind of man that you would want to marry your daughters? And Ted, I'll tell you, it was like in the moment I got punched in the nose, kicked in between the legs, and punched in the stomach. Okay. Like it was like instant. <laughs> I was like, you know, oh. like I I I know I was forced into a situation where all of a sudden I was like, I cannot justify anything at this point of who I've been. And how I've been acting because I started thinking about my two daughters and I started thinking about people that I was acting like at that moment. And if they had come to my home wanting to get close with my girls, there's no way in hell I'd let them through the door. Mm. But that's what I was modeling. It's what I was mentoring by being who I was and doing the things that I was doing. And, and so it was in that moment I realized, no, I don't want to be that guy. I do want to be the guy that I would be proud for my daughters to end up with one day if they want to end up with a man, you know, whatever, whatever person, whatever human they end up with. Like, I want the to be person. a great, I, I want to be a good reflection of that. You know, yeah. I want to set the bar. I want to set the standard. I want to challenge that. And, and so with that, create a great intention through the conversation that then ensued with my wife and I, as we started to really get into the nut of it all. And it was the first time in our 10 years of being together that I was truly vulnerable with her. And I mean, truly sharing everything that was going on inside the head, sharing what those voices were saying, but more importantly, also sharing what was happening in here, you know, what was happening in my heart. What was I feeling mm. before that? I was very stoic. I took after my dad. My only emotions I would typically express Ted, was, you know, very cool, calm and collected or anger. Like yeah. those are like <laughs> the easy ones, right? I can be chill. Right, you know, like, and and there was no in between. Can and, I ask a can yeah. I ask a quick question ahead, on please. something you said about please. being vulnerable? And yeah. for me, I practice that vulnerability with with my wife. Oh, um, amazing! Were your thoughts organized when you started sharing? No, those? no, hell no! <laughs> <laughs> I was an emotional mess, man. Uh, because honestly, like, I was here also in that reactive mode where I was like, I'm going to lose everything that's truly most important to me, mm. and at what cost? So I could honor this fun guy die moniker that people wanted to, or well, would hold above everything else, you know, and it also started, started questioning my, my association, you know, the people that I thought were my friends. Yeah. And, but I needed sobriety. I needed a period of time where I took away the distractions so I could really focus in and, and, and do some introspection that was completely unfiltered. Mm. And and it's it's not an easy exercise. And to be fair, the first three months I sort of struggled trying to do it on my own, and I realized I needed help. And I found a psychologist. I found a, a a counselor, you know. And I started to work with them. And I worked. It wasn't like a forever thing, but it was about three and a half, four months that I worked with the two of them. Yeah. And actually, the counselor was a relationships counselor. My wife and I went in the first session in, and she's like, you know, Christy. I think it's better if dad comes back on his own. <laughs> you know, I was like, all right, well, here we go. Let's get to work. You know? Sign me up. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and to be fair, I, I already knew that too. And um, so when yeah, you so are, normal. yeah, well, so well, thank you. That. But, you know, vulnerability, that. it's not an easy skill to develop. 
because the only way to develop vulnerability is you got to practice vulnerability. <laughs> and you know, if we're really uncomfortable and we've never had it modeled or mentored to us on how to do that, because here's the thing, our brains aren't wired to be happy, but they are wired to learn. Mm. And if you look at how we learn as a species, the two most effective ways that we see over and over and over again is through mentorship and modeling. We see something done a certain way and then we ourselves try to do it that way. We get mentored. Oh, you know what? Try it a little bit differently here. Do this a little bit differently. You know, like, but those two things are very, very important in how we learn and develop. Mm. And, and when you start to realize that, you start to question, well, who's influencing me? Who is mentoring me? And I started to realize that a lot of the things that I felt I was lacking in skill development, as far as being able to open up about my emotions and communicate that to people that deserve that. I'm not saying, hey, be vulnerable with everybody. And that not everybody deserves all vulnerability. Okay. It has to be earned. It's a significant amount of trust that, that goes into that. Now there's different degrees of vulnerability. Of course, me talking about my kids to friends, especially any challenges we're dealing with. There's only a select few that I would let in on that. Yeah. You know why? Because I have that level of trust with them. I have that history with them mm -hmm. and I feel comfortable and confident enough to share that. So I don't share with everybody, but here's the thing. We got to practice and we have to find somewhere to practice this because for other men to be mentored and model other men, I think is so powerful. And that's why Ted, what you're doing when I, when we connected, I was like, hell yeah. You know, well, I'd be on your show. Yeah. Anytime you want. Can I help you with what you're doing? Of course I will. You know why? Because what you're doing is so important. Appreciate that. You know, well, bringing men together to model and mentor one another in the ways of being great men. Now, the only thing preventing us from being great is that we get really comfortable being good enough. Yep. And I'm just riffing on what Jim Collins said in Good to Great. You know, it's exactly it. The only thing that prevents us from being great or experiencing greatness in any areas of our life is because we get really comfortable just being good enough. Mm -hmm. Good. Uh, we made that it. ain't good. That, that's not good. <laughs> like, it's not good. No. Why, why, why settle for that? It's like saying, oh, I'm content with my life. I'm like, yeah. what? Content. I hate that C word, you know, like, <laughs> like content, content. It just means I'm, I'm, I'm satisfied and I'm happy with what I got. It's all good. I'm good. Eh, I'm good. That <laughs> like, no. Okay. That's crap. <laughs> you yeah. know, there's so and, much uh, more out here. Yeah. Uh, oh, but sorry. Back to close the loop on the intentionality with language is my wife and I, after we've come through that period, you know, we started looking at how we were communicating with each other and we wanted to create some intentionality around our relationship. And we made a commitment to one another that we would never stop dating each other. Mm. Because I can tell you now in our 23rd year versus when we met 23 years ago or 24 years ago, we're completely different people. Yeah. Like completely different. But I wouldn't know that if I didn't take the time to constantly rediscover who that is, constantly fall in love again and again with them. The only way we do that is creating intentional time to date one another. Mm -hmm. And it's a recurring thing every Saturday night. Like if anybody ever tries to connect with me on a Saturday night, good luck. You'll never get me ever. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you just won't because from five to 11, every Saturday night, my wife and I have a recurring weekly date and it's non-negotiable. We're committed to each other. We, all of our friends now, they know it's like, we don't reach out to Diane Christy to do anything on a Saturday night, mm -hmm. but that is it. We have that commitment to each other every week. That's very intentional. And now we also relate. I put it on my profiles. I'm dating my wife. I'm, I'm like, again, I'm letting people know this is my language. This is how I communicate this. This is how I say it. And the more I say it, the more it gets reaffirmed for myself as well.
Yeah. And, and so that's why I always say language is so important, isn't it, Ted? I mean, in your industry, it's, especially. Whew, it's huge. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> in our industry, when I, when I was an anchor, uh, there were there were literally trainings and things because if we wrongly convict somebody, we can get sued and, and things like that. So, wow. but the language that you use, um, not just for expressing and telling stories, but the language mm-hmm. we use with ourselves, hugely impactful. And, and yes. a lot of us, and I don't know if you've seen the movie, um, not Encanto. At Luca, it's a Disney okay. movie. Oh, and they ha- I, I haven't watched it. I've, I've uh, we've got it on our uh, checklist of, of yeah. ones to, to check out, but I haven't watched it yet. It's a pretty g- good movie. But one thing yeah. he, they talk about uh, the kids like they're about on top of a cliff, going to do something that kids do that's dangerous and whatnot. And the one kid's like afraid. He's like, I don't, I can't, I can't. He's like, oh, you have a Bruno, and he's like, what's a Bruno? It's like that thing telling you not to do something scary. <laughs> So it's like Silencio Bruno, right? <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> so uh, my wife and I literally, whenever we catch each other, like, yeah. you know, maybe limiting ourselves or whatnot, we tell each other, like, hey, Silencio Bruno, like, <laughs> don't, <laughs> don't let I love that. talk you out of doing something. Yeah. But man, it, it, it's so it's so amazing and fruitful in terms of that intentionality because mm. this past year I came up with the idea. I'm busy. My wife's busy. Life only gets busier. I said, let's make a calendar. Let's put each other on the calendar yes. first. And Good. um, as, as many things happen with at least the dynamic between my wife and I is I'll come up with an idea to implement something and she'll be a drill sergeant and make sure we stick to it. <laughs> I think so. your wife and my wife would get along very well. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, we should have a calendar. And like two yeah. weeks later, one comes in from Amazon, it's on the fridge and, so <laughs> and everything. Um, but she, we we have something similar. Uh, if she When she hears the whole every week thing, she's going to want to implement that. But because mm-hmm. right now we do, uh, we want to do a couple's date every month. Like, so we meet people because yep. we're in a new city. Cool. Uh, so one couple's date a month, one outside date a month with just yep. me and her and then one inside date. Uh, and that usually uh, takes some more. So we, we're working on being more intentional with that because yep. when she's out of town and things like that, that gets hard. But uh, we we actually just recapped the previous year and your boy's the one that asked most of the dates. I was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. Though. But the fact that you've created that commitment, right? And you're managing the commitment. And and I think that's important to take note. Like what, what you shared there, Ted, I think is so, so valuable and, and, and insightful is because it's not so much time management as it's managing your commitments of how you're going to spend your time. Mm-hmm. And I, I like to let people know this. Like often when I'm working with clients and whether it be men, women, whoever, you know, like in helping them with this stuff, it's like, look at how you commit your life, you know, not, not manage your life, but commit mm. blocks of time. Cause it's, that's all it is. It's that it, we're, we're making commitments constantly and those commitments we either follow through on, or we don't. Yeah. And, and it creates a lot of stress in our lives. It can, you know, and overwhelm and anxiety and those anxious feelings like, Oh my gosh, I don't have any time for me. And so I appreciate that you guys prioritize each other first. You block that first. Yeah. It's like me. I, I block in on my calendar every week my commitments to my health and commitments to family first. Yep. And then around that, I build out around that, but I use color. I'm like a little bit anal on this, right? I, I color coordinate all these commitments. So when my wife and I, on a Sunday, we always sync up our calendars and sync up our commitments for the week so we can support each other, but also be aware of reach doing because mine's all color coordinated. I can say, okay, well, you see the pink spots. Those are family commitments. Thanks. Yes. Thank you. I love it. But here's the cool thing, Ted. Now you can look at that. And if you don't see enough of like my, I use red for all my, anything that's fitness related is nice. red. And if I don't have enough red on there, I know that oh, come next weekend, I'm not going to be feeling as good about myself because I know I'm always one workout away from feeling better. Yeah. I know it. 
Like just bottom line, I've never done a workout and said, oh man, I really regret having that workout. I've never had that. <laughs> you know, it's like me having a salad at lunch with some cedar plank salmon on it. I've never said to myself, man, I regret eating that for lunch. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, always like, yeah. <laughs> do, do more of the things that you know you'll never regret and you'll be okay. You know, and, uh, and, and just one last thing about intentionality of language. And, and this is just one thing I want to offer up to you, Ted, because mm-hmm. I heard you say about how busy. And this is just, just again, it's my sort of take on this, but yeah. I used to wear a badge saying, I'm so busy. Ask me why, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> quite literally. Cause I was like, I'm so busy because I used to associate that with importance and being seen as being important because the busier I was, the more important people might think I am. Uh, I'm being really vulnerable here. I'm not being honest. This is just where my psyche was about 13 mm-hmm. years ago, 14 years ago, you know, and, and, but my wife challenged me on it. She said, you're always so busy. How does that make you feel? I was like, well, be honest, not really good. I feel anxious. I feel stressed. And she goes, well, what would life look like if it was full? I was like, oh, I don't know. She goes, well, what if we started telling people instead of being busy, we're full. Mm. Life is full because it's full of the commitments that we have prioritized and set some intentionality that we want to prioritize in our lives. So we fill our life with those commitments. We're not busy with commitments because every commitment is ones that we want to commit to. Yeah. Life is full (laughs) based on our choosing. So it's a subtle language shift, isn't it? Just very, very subtle. But man, I'll tell you when she pushed me back on that one, I was like, I hate you, but I love you. You know, (laughs) this is why I love you. But also at the same time, it's why sometimes we just like, like this, right? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. But, 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 uh, so anyways, that that was just one little piece I wanted to offer up is because we got onto the time blocking conversation. And, uh, that, that was one subtle shift I made many years ago. That's every opportunity I get to share that with people. I do just because I think it's a subtle little piece, but man, it makes a big difference. And I'll tell you when I look at my calendar, I don't get anxious anymore. I don't get stressed. I don't start feeling a bit overwhelmed. Like, oh my gosh, where I got time for me? Because yeah. I'm just managing commitments and my commitments, they fill up my cup. Mm-hmm. So it fills my life. You know? I love that. I love yeah. that. Di- as we're, we're coming in, coming to the yeah. end, we're running out a little bit of Final time. Minutes. Yeah, I want to totally. make sure that um, that our audience has a, a way to contact you, get in touch with you, follow some of your amazing social media. I'm following you oh, on Instagram thanks. and those socials as well. So how can folks connect with you? Well, fortunately, I've got a fairly unique name. Dai is a Welsh name, D-A-I. It means David. Manuel is Portuguese. Yeah, I know. Everyone's like, what? Welsh and Portuguese? What's up with that? Don't worry about it. I'm Canadian. You know? (laughs) And uh, you come up here, we're all pretty much mixes of something. So uh, um, easiest way to get a hold of me, if you can spell my name right, you'll find me on any mm-hmm. social platform, but also my website, diamondwell.com. I've got about 1,700 articles I've published since I started blogging about, well, a long time ago. Okay. I'll just say a long time ago. Cause uh, I'm an OG in the blogging space, nice. which means not original gangster, but old guy. Uh, and uh, <laughs> um, I always invite people, you know, check it out. Cause there's lots of great information there and it's just free resources to help people with navigating change in their life. Like yeah. that's it, you know? And, uh, but, but Ted, honestly, thank you. I, I know that yeah. it takes a lot of effort, a lot of energy to, to create a space like this yeah. and to create conversations like this and not only create them, but to lead them. And uh, I just want to say thank you, you know, for, I, I don't mean to speak on behalf of every other man out there, but I'm going to, and I'm just going to say thank you for creating this for us because yeah, this is needed. It really yeah. is. And uh, I, I just, I admire you so much and I'm really grateful for this opportunity. 
Nice. I, I appreciate it, Di. And it's it's been an absolute honor and a pleasure, which is why I'm going to make sure I make, have the, the socials uh, and all those links in the show notes so folks can can definitely open that up and, and continue to follow the amazing work you're doing. Last Thank question, you. and sure. this is usually the heavy one, and I know you're going to Hi. answer authentic, uh, authentically. Um, uh, it's what have, have you seen or something that's happened to you in your life that shapes the way you view the world as a man? Oh, great. Well, I, I have to be very honest. I, I sort of alluded to this earlier. I talked about my dad passing five years ago. Yeah. And um, my parents separated and divorced when I was nine, uh, almost between nine and 11. They eventually divorced, but um, they separated when I was nine. And uh, that created some emotional shifts for me, right? Like uh, definitely a lot of, like, gosh, to date myself, I'm 46. So this is over 30 years ago, right? Uh, there wasn't a lot of resources nor conversations around divorce. Yeah. especially for kids, you know, so that definitely influenced some of my early perspective. But later on in life, when I realized, you know, this relationship with my dad wasn't as solid as I always wanted it to be. But we got to a place where we were both okay with that. There was a lot of things left unsaid. But we were okay with that. And and recognizing that and, and going through that final six months, and we were very fortunate, I had already exited my last business. So I had the time to be there full time with my dad and family, you know, for those last six months of his life. And I'm very grateful for that opportunity, you know, and, and the way that we interacted and engaged with one another, it wasn't like we had deep heartfelt conversations, but it was even just having that time together, that energy together. And I recognized, and this has really shaped my life as a father now, but also my relationship with other men is recognizing that, it's often the things that we don't say and just holding presence for one another. That's enough. Mm. It really is. It's enough. Nice. Many times, you know, just being around another man that I know knows what I'm going through, but doesn't have to say anything. And just having that energy, just being able to look him in the eye and say, I get you. I'm here. Yeah. I'm here for you. Exactly. And, and that has really influenced me a lot, you know? And so I, I still, I thank my dad for that final lesson, you know, that yeah. final lesson, even though he didn't really articulate or say it, but it's what I experienced with him. And uh, it's taken me a little bit of time to unpack that, but uh, I just want to say thank you for, for that reminder. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for sharing that, man. Die. This has been amazing. Um, I I just want to thank you for the time, the knowledge, the vulnerability, and and really all the value that you gave us through this, this episode, man. It, It was nothing short of amazing. Oh, my pleasure, Ted. And, uh, I, I know we're going to have more conversations. We'll connect again. And, uh, I, I'm, I can't wait to share this out and share your platform out. Cause there's a lot of men that need it. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. Likewise. Thank and you. I'm, I'm going to wrap things up really quick, put a little bow on it because I know a lot of folks are either driving or they're, they're working. I have the pen and paper here. So I wanted to recap some of the nuggets. Compromising boundaries is kind of what we started with in terms of maybe looking at ourselves in the mirror and realizing that we're not being who we've set ourselves out to be. We're not being the person that we want to be. And maybe we've compromised our, our boundaries with health, maybe compromised our boundaries with other things like our values and our non-negotiables. And we've lost some of that self-love and self-worth. Well, we could recapture that through change, which is also constant. And we sometimes change because of fear of being the same or, or we change because we have no choice but to change. And maybe the the catalyst around us is forcing us into that. But learning how to change and not be a victim of it, but a champion of that change is probably what's going to help us get to the person that we say we want to be. And the amazing vulnerability that I mentioned about what am I modeling? Those people closest to us, whether they be kids, our spouses, the relationships that we have, they're following us, they're looking at us, they're picking up things from us. What are you putting out into the world? What are you sharing? 
And when you get clarity, you get confidence from doing the hard stuff, you get direction. And that direction helps you get to where you want to get. And then setting the bar, being the standard, practicing vulnerability, because it's not going to be perfect to start. And also identifying who to be vulnerable with. All key things. And of course, how do you commit your time? Are you busy or are you full? Die. this has been amazing. Thank you so much to the audience. Thank you for rocking with us throughout the whole entire thing. If you got value from this, please share this with a friend. We would love that compliment. Leave us a rating. Let us know how we're doing. And of course, hit that subscribe button for a new episode each and every single week. And as we always say at the end, everybody wants the sunshine, but they don't want the rain. But you can't get the pleasure without first the pain. Let's go. Thank you.